0: Hello, everyone. This is Sakeb. It's time to record our first uh, episode for Roland Garros. Uh, the first is in the books. And I have uh, two good friends who are joining me to do this wrap-up. Andrew Burton from Houston and uh, Susie Reed from UK. How are you Pretty guys?
1: Good, thank you.
0: So, yeah, it's kind of a rich day. Uh, and it's already in the books and a lot to cover. So... Uh, Susie, let's get right into the action. The defending champion is not there anymore. Helena uh, Ostapenko is out. Did you catch some of that match? And what are what are some of the takeaway points from that match for you?
1: I did catch some of that match, and I have to say that this has been a Sunday full of surprises. I think it's always a very tough schedule starting on a Sunday. They've come into the tournament, they're besieged by the press. She would have found that very new, very different experience as defending champion. She probably didn't get a lot of time for herself to actually settle into the surroundings. Um, She hasn't come in with a huge amount of consistent form. And she played someone who is solid, who's got a very nice clay game. But on paper, was theoretically not going to give her any problems. The match should always have been on Penko's racket. But what happened today for me is that her nerves won and the pressure won and her racket was unable to perform. We saw very, very slightly similar situation with Svitolina in her opening set. But she was able to draw on the form that she came into the tournament with. The muscle memory there, the confidence was there. Ostapenko wasn't able to draw on that, and she became really quite static on court. And Kozlova played extremely steadily, extremely well, and Penko is out.
0: Yeah, it is. I guess uh, when you're coming in a defending champion, it is still a foreign feeling. She's a young player. I'm sure uh, she'll rebound and learn from this. But there were a couple other young players, Susie, uh, in both draws who've had this tag of uh, being favorites at majors for quite some time. And they have performed really well outside of majors. No secret, Sasha Zverev and Alina Sutalina, uh, both yeah. uh, won today. Uh, what's your take on those matches if you get a chance and uh, how do you see the next matches?
1: I watched the Svitolina match. Um, Tom Linovich came out very, very fast. She is a very fast starter. Svitolina looked like she hadn't quite finished her cup of coffee. She hadn't found her range. She hadn't found her depth, which is something that she had really, really shown to us, particularly in Rome, really hitting those lines, as Orenko has always shown us how to do. And um, interestingly enough... When it got to 5-2, and I think that Ailsha was serving for that set, um, I said to myself, "Elena's going to win this 7-5, probably 6-2. And she just started opening up. She started hitting through the ball. She started opening up her shoulders. And it was as if she'd actually started the match again. And she reset, as I said, all the confidence she brought with her from Rome. It came through, and she actually then wrapped up that match pretty quickly. It was really never in doubt. She had one set point against her. As soon as she saved that, she was never in danger again. So that was a, that was a good result for Swisselina. The first rounds are always a potential banana skin for me. The most important thing is just to win them. It actually doesn't matter how you win them. Just get through that first round. And Penko was unable to. She was unable to find a way, where Swisselina was.
0: And Andrew, same for the men. Uh, Zverev uh, was pretty comfortable in his scoreline. I don't know what uh, what part of the match you got a chance to watch, but uh, he was convincing.
2: Yeah, um, I did not see Zverev play. I, I was I was scoreboard watching it at at that stage. Um, focused more on Nishikori, who, as Susie said. Uh, will be very pleased to have come through a first round match, which could have gotten interesting. His his opponent was ranked three hundred four in the world, a French wild card fellow called Jean Vier, and uh, Jean Vier had had I think eight break points, and I don't think he converted any of them. Uh, Nishikori went through in straight sets, didn't look entirely comfortable, but as Susie said, you know, you go into the locker room. First round, straight set, seeded. You feel pretty good about that. Uh, another player who we're going to have to start calling a veteran now, it seems a bit odd, uh, who also uh, is in the locker room with a victory as, as a top speed is David Goffin, but he had a completely different experience playing against Robin Haasa. And and I think both Susie and I watched uh, a bunch of that match. Haasa went out. To a uh, a quick two sets to love lead, uh, Goffin looked under the cosh, turned around the third set, and then things got rather interesting. First of all, with the light, and then with the trainer.
0: Yeah, it's uh, kind of uh, interesting. Uh, in this, uh, if you if you haven't followed that match, there's a lot already on Twitter about that match. How uh, when Hassa was leading, and then quickly uh, when the Goffin comeback started, Hassa was complaining about. Something or the other, even it wasn't supposed to be that dark yet, because sunset in Paris, I think, was I just checked, was nine forty, and they can easily play till nine thirty, and they have in the past. There was a very infamous roddick Malfi's match where it got really dark, and there have been many instances when players have, uh, especially the the seated players, have pulled their weight, and they have tried their best not to for the match to continue. So, Susie, uh, your take on Hassa? You think there was some legit injury concern there uh, for what you've seen?
1: I don't know. The the discussion we were having before we started recording is that I believe that Hassan came in with a possible slight niggle. Now, whether it was groin or whether it was shoulder, I don't know. He kept saying that the trainer wouldn't agree to treat him or whatever. But I felt like Andrew, that he needed to come out and make a very, very quick start. And then when things started going against him, and he probably realised that physically he was running out of steam. You know, when he looked at his physical situation internally and then he looked at the light, maybe he felt that he could actually possibly delay things. Um, But but I think that was slightly blowing into the wind. I think he realised that he had run out of steam by that point. Whether he had a genuine niggle, I don't know what he said in press. Did he actually say that he had a genuine injury in press?
2: He he talked to uh, the trainer who declined to treat him and that he'd had issues with the trainer at the US Open and so yeah. he was—he was definitely trying to get across that, from his perspective, he was hard done by. Yeah.
1: So slight, slight delaying ta- tactics. But I think I would agree that there's no, with you at your words, Andrew. There's no sharp practice there. I think it's just, you know, genuine in the moment suffering. What can I do to try and possibly either get this match, you know, delayed till tomorrow, or can I actually get some some comforting psychological treatment on court?
0: Uh, and 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 I believe I think uh, in these kind of situations because tennis is such a you know individual sport uh and this kind of pain magnifies once Gofan started making a comeback, so probably it wasn 't intentional from hassa, but I guess mind starts playing tricks, he probably was winning and he could play with the pain, and then once you know it started slipping, it magnifies in his mind so uh it 's a good segue because there are a lot of injuries today in the men 's draw anyway for a lot of uh, lucky losers to be placed in and then uh, normal practice wasn't resumed because they were short, they were short on lucky losers. So Marco Trangeli supposedly still in his way in a car car ride from Barcelona to Paris. So Andrew, you want to talk about that? Have you, have, do you remember a day like this in Grand Slam tennis?
2: I don't. Um, now, we've only had a few of the lucky losers play so far. We've had uh, Mohamed Safwat, who's uh, I think just delighted as an Egyptian representative and to play on uh, Chatrier against Dimitrov. Um, we also had a German called Otto who went down to the Italian Berrettini. The, the uh story, I think I, somebody has to make a movie about that. I think that, that there has to be a story about driving from <laughs> Spain through southern France to get to Chatrier in time, and then things have to go wrong. Um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it being an Oscar winner in 2020. But this is really the consequence. that we're-
1: Yeah, Roland Garros or bust.
2: <laughs> exactly. It would be fantastic. Um, and, you, you know, you, you, you'd have bicycle riders, you'd have people training for the Tour de France. So you, 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 you can see it all. Um, but this is a consequence of the of the change in the rules, where players who formerly would have you know gutted it out to get onto court for about twenty five minutes and then retire at at four one in set one um, are now bowing out. We have eight lucky losers on the ATP side, two on the uh, WTA side. Um, and, and and I I think that the the public benefits. There are a few matches that we were looking forward to, like um, uh, Bernie Tomic against Nick Kyrgios, which 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 had all the makings of of a showstopper, but won't happen now because Kyrgios pulled out. Um, so um, the the lucky loser phenomenon I, I think is here to stay.
1: Yeah, so the, ben- the, the the positive is that it, it avoids the, as you say, people retiring at 4-1 up in the first set and people who paid a lot of money to see one or two matches only get one and a half matches or one matches. That's great. You know, we can say that it doesn't look ultimately very professional when they're having to sort of summon people back from a challenger to which they've already, you know, gone to, like Trunjoletti. But actually, it's probably incredibly un- in- unusual to have eight withdrawals even on the first day or I think it was over a period of two days actually that probably is very unusual but they probably will have to learn something from this because of the rule change it means that people will really wait until that 11th hour until they withdraw so they will have to make sure they've
2: got I think you might still have another one with del potro because del potro is supposedly um Waiting until pretty much the last minute to see if he's fit to play. So you might even have some more withdrawal.
1: Yeah, I actually, I actually, yeah, I mentioned that on Twitter actually. I said, you know, is Del Potra actually going to play? Have they actually got another one on standby? Because yes, you're absolutely right. That could be the situation tomorrow morning.
0: And I think D4J and team should give a call to Prajnesh uh, Guneswar and the Indian uh, lucky loser who was actually placed ahead of Marco Trunjoleri. Uh But he had already, I think, fled or driven to Italy to play a challenger. So maybe he should be coming back to keep in Tab and Del Potro because we haven't had two Indians in our main draw in a long, long time. Um, So, yeah, I think that that was uh, the injury that triggered, I think, Nick Kyrgios, uh, who was again in the news. So, Susie, I know you and I have talked a lot, and even Andrew, offline. So you think this is a good move on Kyrgios to be precautionary with Wimbledon and grass coming up?
1: Well, he actually himself said that. He actually went online and said that he he said it was a very very tough decision if you think of his character and he the person he is he does not like being away from home for long periods of time he had actually made the commitment to stay in Europe in the hope that he would get fit and he committed to the doubles with Jack last week He played through that and everyone saw that hopefully as a good sign that he was going to be able to make the singles draw in Paris. So I commend him for doing that. And I also admire the fact that he came out very honestly and said that he tried extremely hard right up, as as we say, to the 11th hour. But he wasn't prepared to risk it with grass because he would end up missing the whole of the grass season as well if he aggravated it.
0: Yeah, uh, so it kind of makes sense. And hopefully, you know, we wish Kyrios a uh, speedy recovery and, you know, his elbow and his health uh, because I think a healthy Kyrios is, is, is really good for the tour. So looking forward to that comeback whenever that pans out. So I
1: look forward to not actually having this conversation. I look forward to having the conversation about him being a real contender in the draw.
0: If he's healthy, I think the way things are going, he would be tough to weed and grass. But again, you know, there's always a question mark with some niggle. Or yeah, but yeah uh, fully agree there. Yeah. Uh, and-,
1: and I am disappointed, like Andrew, that we won't see him playing Bernie, actually, because, you know, Bernie has come through quietly and efficiently through qualifying. He's put little silent statements out there. Good for him, um, you know, with all the stick that he has had and the life that he's endured as we all know which we're not going to go into details and I was looking forward to that match immensely. I hope that Trangoletti does make it back and that we get a very good match but I would like to see Bernie come through it.
0: Trangoletti uh, made the round of 32 I think in 2016 when I was there I saw him lose to Ramos Fanola so this guy can play on clay so it not yeah. be. It won't be an easy match for Bernie Tomek. Uh, Provided Anguladi didn't drive himself all this time, so well,
1: that's the risk,
0: isn't it? <laughs> so, well, moving on, there were some big upsets today in the uh, in the women's draw. I mean, uh, purely based on the ranking, not maybe based on the form. Venus Williams and Johanna Conta, you know, made early exits. Susie, so yes, uh, let's about Venus for a bit. Uh, yeah, I know we on twitter about this Uh, was it from coming into this clay major
1: i would agree exactly with the words that you've used that it on on, if you look at the ranking it's a massive upset but you know when we're all sitting there doing our draws and we're looking at a you know who's going to come through and our pen is hovering on the paper you look at venus first round roland Garros when she comes in without a lot of form without a lot of consistency and that is always a match where my pen hovers and i think oof, you know, that could be out in round one. And Wang is a lovely, lovely player. I know that, um, I'm not quite sure of the connection between her and McNamee, but he always speaks very highly of her. I don't know whether she came through some kind of academy with him or whatever. I don't know, or whether she's been under him for coaching. Um, But she played, from what I saw, I saw the last few games, she was playing aggressive, cool tennis Um, And V was playing not badly, but she was playing a typical opener of V, slow starter, and then couldn't quite get on top of her opponent. She had a break in the second set, but couldn't capitalize on it. But the biggest result of that loss and of Conta's loss is that that quarter has opened up incredibly so you look at who's in who's in that quarter, and the name that really jumps out is Azarenka. Now, that she has actually got a tricky opener against Sinyakova. But the question you have to ask yourself is, can Azarenka take advantage of that quarter with those three seeds all out?
0: Or can Ko- Kozlova uh, keep on marching? Who knows? I mean, uh, with her potential.
1: She could. She could. But if Azarenka comes through Sinyakova... I would see that as a very interesting match. The other person, of course, in that quarter who always comes through is Martic, Petra Martic, who's a lovely player who always seems to get through to fourth round at slams and then seems to meet a Serena or a a, a really big hitter. Um, So it'd be interesting to see whether Petra can take advantage of that. Conta, she's yet to win a match, isn't she? Main draw, Roderick Garros. Um, she obviously was very disappointed. We feel her disappointment. She's got a great game. She obviously has a, had a terrific year last year. And this year has obviously been tough to back it up. Um, I listened to a lot of commentary from Marion Bartley today, who said, you know, she confirmed, obviously, she's got this fantastic game. But the fantastic game has to be slightly more consistent on clay. You know, when don't go for that line if you're not feeling your timing when you can actually just trade down the middle for a bit and just expect that one more ball to come back and then just go for your opening when you see it. She, she had moments and pockets of brilliance today, but overall she was inconsistent.
0: Okay, so on that note, I think uh, we can move ahead in the podcast. And uh, Andrew? So as we wrap this up, what are some of the talking points or the takeaways from, say, best of the rest of the day matches? Uh, what stands out for you?
2: I, I think on the men's side, um, nothing too untoward has happened yet. Um, I There also haven't been any epic matches yet on the first day. Although I, I did see poor Nishioka taking on Verdasco uh, in, in the last two games, desperately dealing with cramps, and apparently he, he led five-three at one stage, so a bit of a shame for Nishioka. Um, you know, with the, uh, the 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 state of the the ATP side of the singles is waiting for Rafa. I I just would
1: like to add a couple of things about Nishioka. I I saw quite a lot of that match. And it's interesting that you say it wasn't an epic. It was interesting because it it looked like an epic. It was four and a half hours or something, but it actually never quite got into being an epic because neither of them really played well at the same time. Mm. It was a little bit up and down. Um but I actually once Nishioka has come out of his ice bath and his massage or whatever, he needs to be very, very pleased. He was you know, he had a terrible knee operation and he was out for nearly a year, keep is that right?
0: Yeah, almost a year, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So to get back to that stage and to be able to come through that five setter, albeit on the losing side, he has got when he recovers to really feel good about his tennis going forward. Um, And then for me, I mean, going back to your comment about best of the rest, the best of the rest, I can't not mention Clizan because he was the star of qualifying. He had the biggest following in qualifying, the rowdiest, most noisy fans. Um, And he's a dangerous floater. That's and good-
0: uh, if I may add, I mean, uh, some of the because we didn't yeah, get all, all code coverage like we get in other slams because Tennis Channel Plus is an app that you need to subscribe. So we can talk about that later. Uh, so the two five setters that I got a, a chance to watch were involving both young Americans. I think Donaldson finally uh, we've been talking about. It. He went to Europe uh, instead of playing in Houston. He played Monte Carlo and a full schedule. Didn't win a lot of matches till Geneva, but I guess something I think clicked there. All the work and the time he spent in Europe. Uh, Helped him get the better of, I think, talented Chilean uh, Nicolas Jarry. And then uh, on the flip side, Taylor Fritz, who's made some strides under Paul Anakon. I think lost to Guido Andriosi. He's someone who's been doing really well in the Challenger Tour. And I expected him to make a presence in Roland Garros last year. But finally, I think Andriosi had his moment under the sun or actually under, you know, fading sun. And then, of course, last but not the least, Luca Puya only saw the match point. But this was a match, like Susie, we've talked a lot about him and Medvedev. They both had won just one match apiece coming into this. And we all know Pui is much talented and can play on clay. But a lot of times in these kind of situations, when you are trying to stop bleeding, trying to end a losing skid, I think this was a very important win. Uh, I think he he may draw some confidence and may keep the date with Zverev. They both have to win one more match, though.
1: I hope so. Can I briefly mention another Frenchman actually? Um, One of the most satisfying wins for me, and I think he now plays Gauffin, was Moutet, who beat Karlovich. He's a 20 year old or 19 year old Frenchman, he was a wild card. I think he was one of the few wild wildcard winners actually uh, yeah, today, but he is a terrific him. talent if you get a chance. He's a lefty,
0: right? So I, I saw him, him. playing Bilbis that in Bordeaux Challenger. He's at 5'9 or 5'10. He has good, good hands. I mean, soft touch too. He goes yeah. to the net a lot. At least in that match, Bilbis he was. So, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. French talent coming. Up. Let's see if anyone can make the next yeah. step. A lot. Yes. Yeah.
1: And then briefly, because before you move on to tomorrow, I just wanted to mention two other WTA winners today. Kontovit, who obviously for a lot of people, she is a dark horse. I think a lot of people would have chosen her as someone who could possibly go far, who could cause a few upsets. She actually had to come through quite a spirited challenge from Brangle today, but she kept her head and she came through that in three tough sets. And then the... Uh, very quickly, just to interject with Stevens, who wasted no time and no energy coming through her match, which was great to see. And then Kuzmova is just another one to keep your eye on. She was junior U.S. Yep. Open runner. Right, so I think uh, we covered quite a, a very quite a lot uh, in 22 player. minutes. Uh, so um, any so particular match that too. you
0: both are looking forward to tomorrow and, just, uh, and if you want to make a call, how that match is going to go.
2: Um, I think like a lot of people, I'm go. interested in seeing how Novak Djokovic does because uh, he's, he, he he seemed to have arrested the downward uh, trajectory. I think he got a pretty favorable draw against the Brazilian Dutra Silva. Um, again, if he comes through that one in, in straight sets, then... Uh, that will bode well for his campaign. Uh, I, I remember arguments with uh, a Swiss writer about uh, Simone Bolelli and why Bolelli wasn't ranked uh, much higher. My answer to that was that he didn't win important matches and I don't think he's going to win tomorrow given who
0: he's playing. Sure. Yeah, good call. Susie, what match are you uh, looking forward to? Um
1: There's actually one on uh, Suzanne Longlong, which could be very interesting, which is the Petkovic, um, Christina Mladenovic, um, really for two reasons. That, again, you've got her being the local favourite. She went quite deep last year, as we know. She had a terrific run. She became the sort of the darling of the crowd. Can she reproduce that? Um, Hasn't come in with a huge amount of form. Petkovic either hasn't come in with a lot of forms so that actually could end up being quite a quite a battle um now you're gonna have to forgive me is um is the Gerges Chibulkova match tomorrow and the kuznetsova Magarutha match tomorrow because those are two key matchups on the women's side as well if they are on the program
0: yeah thanks for doing this guys on such a short notice and uh Hopefully we can have you both back again because your comments are always gold and I think people do tune into these podcasts when you're speaking here. Thanks for doing this. Bye. Okay, bye.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Really interesting. Look forward to tomorrow.